1: Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard.
2: Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting today to over 60 countries. And we're broadcasting from Havana in Cuba, which is an amazing and exciting place that you must put on your bucket list. This is our sixth international broadcast since we started five years ago. Normally, we broadcast from the middle of the third most important center in the world for entrepreneurs, startups, angels, VCs, and incubators. Silicon Beach in Los Angeles, and I want to thank everybody for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. Now, the sole purpose of this show is to help you run a successful business, to give you tips to ensure your success. As you know, somewhere between 96 and 99% of all businesses fail, so um, we can't be great at everything. So what I try to do is to help you identify gaps in your expertise. Over the last century, there's been a number of proven tools and techniques that will almost guarantee that a company will enjoy success. Unfortunately, most people don't know what they are. Now irrespective of whether your company is bricks and mortar or whether it's an online business, and irrespective of what service or product you're selling, these tools and techniques still apply. Now, since the internet and social media revolution, there's often a much shorter time frame from conception to launch, and many entrepreneurs believe that the, message that have be, message, <laughs> the methods that have been tried and true over generations no longer apply. The reality is that more communication techniques have changed, the more you need these tools, people are still motivated by the same things they always were. Business, consumers and media have been undergoing huge change over the past few years. And added to that change has been the complication of a very tight economy. And new research shows that failure rates of all businesses are now a minimum of 96%. Research also identifies that the major reason that businesses fail is lack of business knowledge of the management. Only 11% of management have done any business courses or any learning since they finished college, despite the tumultuous changes that have taken place. Now, extensive research and studies of thousands of companies have identified 18 keys to the success of any business. This is a minimum of 18 keys. These are the ones you must Definitely no. And to be successful, business leaders must have a good understanding of all of these keys. Now, last week, we discussed the first four of those 18 keys, and we'll talk about another three keys today. If your business has a weakness with any of the 18 keys, we propose that you sign up for my business and personal audit, which analyzes every aspect of your business, analyzes your competitors your systems your distribution your marketing and so on a total audit from front door to back door and the benefits from this 60 day audit can be game changing so last week we uh, outlined what the 18 keys were but apparently I spoke too fast people rang and wrote and said that um, they tried to write them down but couldn't get them so The full list is one, provide powerful, decisive leadership, a clear business vision, a strategy and a plan. Two, continuously learn, understand your competition and embrace change. Three, develop a dynamic marketing strategy and plan. Four, maximize the use of technology in management, production and distribution. Five, understand what business you are in. Six, create a powerful consumer purchasing benefit. Seven, build brand equity. Eight, ensure adequate funding from either angels, VCs or crowdfunding. Nine, add expertise to your team through mentors, strengthen your management or the board. 10, Sell emotionally. Benefits sell, features don't. 11, clearly understand what motivates your customers. 12, differentiate yourself and your business from your competitors. 13, add value to every customer interaction. 14, provide a compelling risk reversal with every transaction. 15, think outside the box. 16, be a good communicator, not only in the words, but in the vehicles you choose. 17, fully understand social media, marketing, research, and data. And 18, ensure that you've got the commitment, passion, and determination of your complete team. Now, if you managed to get half of that down last week, you probably managed to get another quarter down this week. So uh, there'll be a couple more weeks yet for you to get the whole 16, 18, sorry. Now, these are the minimum basic keys to a successful business. None of them are difficult, but you must know them. Otherwise, you will fall behind and you will most likely fail. Last week, we discussed the need for strong leadership, a clear business vision, strategy and plan. Secondly, ensure your continuous learning, understand your competition, embrace change, And thirdly, create a dynamic marketing strategy and implementation plan. And finally, the need to maximize the use of technology in management, production, and distribution. So they're the ones we did last week, first four. So number five today, seems simple enough, but remarkably, the overwhelming majority of business people do not know what business they're in. For example, a client of ours had a hardware business And they believed that hardware was the business they're in. So just think about this for a minute. How many of you woke up this morning desperate to buy hardware? The answer is fucking none of you. Think about why you go to a hardware store. You go because you have an issue that requires something from the hardware store to fix it. So the real motivation for going to a hardware store is to solve a problem. So hardware stores are in the problem solving business and this is a totally different business than hardware. So we changed their advertising from, we have the largest range of hardware on the planet. Like who gives us stuff? No one. To, if you have a problem around the home, we have an expert to help you solve it. Aha, jackpot. That's what I need. Someone to help me solve a problem. Sales increased in over one year 238% just by connecting properly with the customer. Now, no one wakes up in the morning wanting to buy insurance. Insurance is a pain in the ass. None of us want it. We don't care. But you buy insurance because you want protection. You want peace of mind. So if you're selling insurance, you should be selling peace of mind. And that's a far different business than selling insurance. Now to determine what business you're in, you've got to determine the primary reason that customers do business with you. Now, this is critical because in your communication, you have to be selling the same message that the customer's buying. If you've got a disconnect between your message and what the customer's buying, you lose. Now, the sixth key is to have a powerful consumer purchasing benefit. I can't tell you how powerful this is. You need to determine your most powerful point of difference from your competitors. The primary differential benefit that you offer is your consumer purchasing benefits. And to determine this, you need to consider what the customer really desires, including your strengths and your weaknesses, your competitors' strengths and their weaknesses, and the opportunities. If you take those into account, you will come up with a CPB. And your CPB could be based on your ease of use, your durability, your reliability, safety, convenience, or any other advantage that differentiates you. And your consumer purchasing benefit must make the emotional connection with the consumer's subconscious. Just think, Disneyland, happiest place on earth. Wow, I want to go there. This is the happiest place on earth. I've had a shit of a week. This is great. It makes an emotional connection. They don't say, hey, we got 453 rides and some of them are scary and some of them are not. No, this is the happiest place on earth. You come along, you're going to have a good time. Think of how often you've used Avis because... Avis tries harder or use BMW because BMW's engineered like no other car. You know, Domino's captured the pizza market with its CPB 30 minutes or it's free. How about Wheaties, the breakfast of champions? Who wants to feed their kid a bunch of crap when you can feed them the breakfast of champions? Of course you will. It's an emotional cell. So ask yourself, what do you think of, you know, when you think of, say, Volvo, you think of safety and reliability. I mean, they look like shit, but they're safe. Um, I had a fight with my um, son's mother years and years and years ago because she was determined that he was going to have a Volvo because it was safe. He ended up with a sporty BMW because I won in the end, but nevertheless. So you want your customers to make the decision in their subconscious mind, not in their pragmatic conscious mind. And all major brands have a CPB and most small businesses do not. That's got to tell you something. So what's the primary differential benefit that you offer that differentiates you from your competitors expressed in just a few words? That is the phrase that gets people to remember your product. The seventh key is to build your brand equity. You know, a surprising number of business executives believe that awareness of their brand is the key to success. This is absolute rubbish. Brand awareness is worthless today. Brand equity is the only thing that counts. Think about Kodak. Brand awareness, 100%. Or Saab. Again, awareness 100%. Where are they now? They are both broke. Brand doesn't matter, equity matters. Equity is the reason customers buy one brand over another. Brand equity relates to trust. So, why is this important? Well, today, products and services are becoming increasingly commoditized. That means they're being sold based on price. 47 out of 51 categories of product are being commoditized. Therefore, the public perceives like products as being interchangeable. In fact, the, the public can sees 95% of all brands and products are interchangeable. They've become commodities. If I don't buy Duracell, eh, I'll buy Everettie. They're about the same. So if a client doesn't use one of your product or services, they will use an alternative. They don't care. However, if you have a valuable brand equity, people will buy your products. And more importantly, you don't have to sell it. So... A valuable brand name equity and great positioning is critical for three reasons. Firstly, survival. Your product will be bought. It doesn't have to be sold. Think about car dealers have to sell a Chevrolet. They don't have to sell a Mercedes. Brand equity builds a firewall between you and your competitors. That's critical. At a time when products are becoming more and more commoditized, people will buy more and more based on price, unless your product stands out and has a high brand value. And this is going to become more and more important in the future. Brand equity equals heart share. And medical studies have shown that all decisions, all decisions you make are made emotionally emotionally then you justify it pragmatically. So a high brand value, that is one with a strong brand equity, has huge advantages over its competitors. And in reality, a company's brand is far more valuable and more powerful than the company's product. In the US market, there are 1,640 cola brands, 1,640, and they are all Basically the same. So why does Coke have a market cap almost four times that of Pepsi and infinitely more than the other 1,638 Colas? Why? Because a lot of things go into creating a brand. And strangely enough, one of the least important is the amount of advertising you do. Coke has a great brand. And they haven't confused it. Where Pepsi have confused is, remember Pepsi was the um, next generation, the old generation, they changed it 27 times and it confused people. You build brand equity by maximizing the wow at every touch point with a customer. And this includes the quality of your product, providing sensational service, the way you answer the phone, how easy it is for customers to get information, how easy it is for them to navigate your website, how easy it is for them to get financing, and so on. All of those things add to your brand equity. The easier and more seamless you can make the customer's journey with your company, the higher your brand equity. Now, next week, we'll discuss some of some more keys that are essential for the success of every business. So we are now up to seven. We have not, uh, 11 to go. Are you a member of the American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management? It's the premier organisation for business in the US. And if you're serious about improving your skill set, your status, and your network, you should join today. And you can get instant answers to all of the questions about any of the 18 keys. So go to AISMM and join now. My guest today after the break is Devon Koskan. He's the CEO of new startup COSLO, K-O-S-L-O, which helps dealers market their inventory nationally and delivers high-quality leads from active car buyers. And I'll be back with Devin immediately after this break on the Voice America Business Network.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at BobPritchard.com. That's Bob at
2: BobPritchard.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show, where we give you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting business people, the services they provide, and what makes them tick. You know, It's extremely difficult to create a successful business, and we all need all the help that we can get, and that's why it's important, and I mention it every week, for us to surround ourselves with mentors and have people on your team, whether they're... Working with you, or whether they're advisors of some sort that have experience in the field in which you're, um, you're entering and also um, are already successful. Today, I'm going to have a chat with Devin Koskan, he's the CEO of Coslo. That's K O S L O. And Coslo uh, is a new startup. And it's a system that helps dealers market their inventory nationally and deliver high-quality leads from active car buyers. Now, one of the great things about this is that there's no sign-up fee and the dealers only pay when the buyer chooses the dealer's vehicle. And this includes all the pre-negotiated shipping services, everything. So all the work's done for you. Just sit back and wait for your new car. According to a recent survey by Accenture, approximately three-quarters of American car buyers claim not to be fans of the usual car dealership experience, and I can attest to that. I just um, got myself a new car, and it is a pain in the butt. Um, as soon as you get within five minutes of the lot, you've got a salesman chasing you and trying to get you a cup of coffee and um, you know, asking you about all sorts of inane questions just to develop your friendship before he starts in on the sell and it is a bit annoying and it's time consuming. Uh, Devon believes that COSLO is an alternative that benefits both consumers and dealers. Hi Devon. welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show.
3: Hi Bob, thanks for having me.
2: Uh, tell me a little bit about um, COSLO and how it came about.
3: Yeah, uh, Coslo was started kind of the same frustrations you had. Um, My personal experiences in the the car buying uh, realm where I'd go to dealerships, um, a lot of them would have no haggle pricing, um, and I'd seen the same vehicle online for a better price. Uh, So myself as an individual, I just never felt I had any negotiating power because I was only buying one vehicle. Uh, And then the other part of online, you go to, there's a lot of sites out there, there's a lot of great sites out there, but there's so many sites and they're they're subject to which vendors have items listed with them. Uh, So you might find the top one on each site, but then you find yourself comparing back and forth, trying to figure out if you're getting the best deal. So it was truly out of the frustration and and looking for a better process. Um, The other part is every time I bought a vehicle, I would Google uh, trying to find a system, you know, kind of like a yep. lending tree of the auto world, um, trying to find something where I could just enter my information and uh, what I'm looking for, and something searches the entire United States and finds me what I'm looking for. So that's the long and short of uh, where the dream came to build this system.
2: Okay, so you um, went out looking for a car, and uh, on the way home you thought, hmm, it has got to be a better way, I'm going to build one. Um, what's your background?
3: My background is actually in the wholesale industry. so i've I've ran um, businesses for about ten years in the wholesale industry. So I was not in the car industry, had a lot of experience um, over the years buying vehicles, had a lot of friends and family in the um, car dealership industry. so um, but just my business uh, background of how things run in the wholesale world, we we used a lot of those um, teachings that I learned. Um, to implement our system to make it run smooth for everyone.
2: So, are you a coder, or did you have a close friend or a partner that's a coder, or how did you how did you build the the back end of this thing?
3: Um I have some advisors who you know have some experience with it. We also have yeah, friends who you know we'd have we'd talk to occasionally here and there um a software development company had the experience with uh in the auto industry so there was a lot of people a lot of suggestions as we built the system to really make it beneficial and that was the biggest thing we wanted to make our system beneficial to both sides the car dealership and the consumer make it so easy that it was a no brainer that you should use this system because it's just going to make everybody's life easier and save everybody money along the way.
2: What was the biggest ob- obstacle that you've encountered to date?
3: The biggest obstacle is it's, it is changing how car dealerships do things. I mean, right now they're using the auto traders, the cars.com, um, you know, the big boys yeah. out there. So changing how they do things, changing the, um, just the concept of how they do it. Now, the upside that they they really do like is it doesn't cost them anything unless uh, the customer chooses their item, Um, but it is different. We're new. We're we're a startup, like you mentioned, so that's been probably the most difficult part is just getting people to return the phone calls and return the emails, but once they do, once we tell them how we work, what we do, everybody so far has seemed to really uh, be excited about it. Did you have to raise money? Um, we are in that phase now. Like we we went live January, mid January. So we're in the soft launch stage. Um, and right now, we're actually just getting ready to do a, a VC fundraising. Um, so yeah, we're there right now. That's fun, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Luckily, we've we've made it this far. uh um, being funded by ourselves. So um, yeah, it's an it's a definitely an interesting process. That's for sure. Of course, it
2: is much easier, and I say this to our listeners all the time, it's much easier if you actually have got your business to at least rolling. A lot of people these days go in and see a VC when it's still largely an idea and they don't have anything to demonstrate. But when you've gone out and you've actually, even if you've done it on a shoestring and you've got it operating even if it's not operating as well as you'd like it is much easier to raise funds still not easy but much easier to raise funds isn't
3: it exactly and that, that's where we're at once we were able to launch now it's it's a much better sale when someone can see it and see how it functions and, and it, it just makes sense once you see our system but before when it's just a dream and on paper uh, I don't blame people not wanting to give money away to something that's not uh, producing yet yeah,
2: everybody's got an idea, haven't they? You can walk down the street and meet 100 people, all 100 have got an idea, but of those 100, um, in 12 months' time, 99% of the, those ideas are going to be gone.
3: Exactly. Um,
2: so why are so many people now opting to shop online? Um, I would have thought that, um, certainly for me, but I'm a bit old school, I want to be able to look at the car, I want to be able to smell the upholstery, I want to, you know, you, you just get a... Loving feeling about a car when you look at it. Um, so why why are so many people now shopping on online?
3: I think it's a combination of of how we talked about the frustrations of going to the dealership, the just the experience. and then also with the fact of um, with the population with millennials now having a larger population than the baby boomers, um, they grew up with the internet, where you know have always went online to buy things um like with Amazon. Uh, in the beginning, higher dollar items didn't sell as much as the lower dollar items, but as time has progressed, people have become more and more comfortable buying higher dollar items. And I think that's the same thing in the car buying process of so five, ten years ago, people weren't as comfortable. They would start doing research online. Um, but now as time has progressed and people are more comfortable with it and, and more irritated with, Dealing with going to multiple dealerships, I think it's, it's a prime time where people are actually committing to buying uh, uh, online.
2: So when I go out and I um, use COSLO to locate my vehicle, do all the usual um, guarantees and lemon laws and all the rest of the things that are offered by a dealership, do they all apply um, through, through your system?
3: Yeah, they do. So our system essentially just links the two parts. We we take what the customer uh, wants to buy, take the specifics, find them across the country, give the customer the top five results. They select the the exact one they want. At that time, the, the vendor gets the customer's information, the customer, the vendors. And at that point, it's it's the normal sale between them. All li- all laws are the same. Um, all guarantees are the same. It's between the dealership and the customer. We've just negotiated the price, got them the exact car they want, and they have to still finalize the deal.
2: Right. When um, when Tesla said uh, we're not going to we're not going to work through the normal dealerships where you got a thousand, five hundred, two thousand cars on site and uh, a massive overhead with um, with the financial costs that 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 brings, and just stick a single car in a shop in a Westfield, for example, I thought that was going to be the future of um, uh, selling cars. But um, I guess that's not, um, I hadn't thought that through very well, but what are dealerships doing to try and cut that inventory cost and uh, to sell more cars?
3: I, you know, I don't have specifics on how they're, I think they are diversifying their inventory, um, cutting down, but still trying to bring more items to the table, um, to catch people's eye as they're driving by. Um, but I, and I also think they're doing a better job nowadays of, of getting an online presence, making their systems. We just attended a, uh, a conference on cars and they did quite a few presentations on how to make your site more visible, how to, um, do better marketing just through your site, making the process where you can complete the sale, um, complete almost everything up to the sale uh, at the dealership. So I think they're, they're doing a lot of of good things of changing and trying to, to make the the process better. But like you said, the Tesla model is a good model. It, it keeps the overhead down. Um, but it's, it's, it's another option, I don't think it's the end solution to the, the car buying uh, market.
2: Yeah, I just wonder about, um, if you've got a big inventory, then um, your costs of maintaining that inventory is huge. You've always got to have your vehicle in a pretty prime site, which means prime real estate, which means more bucks. Everything about the dealership system seems to me to be grossly inefficient, Um, where if they go to Coslo, they can get all the choices from all the dealerships um, fed back to them relatively simple without leaving the comfort of their armchair.
3: Correct. And that's our pitch right now is to the vendors is, okay, we can just be an add-on to your service. doesn't cost you anything. but just be an add-on to what your business is today. Yep. You see how you like it, but it can eventually evolve to, to like you talk about with having prime locations and having thousands and thousands of cars. Now, obviously, the more cars they have, the better chance they have to sell it, but they can reduce... Uh, not have to have such a prime location, not have to have so many cars, not have to try to market uh in their own market against, you know same kind of dealers and outside their market because our system will just bring them leads you know if it's a chevy dealer and they register with us and ask for chevy leads every time we get a a request for a chevy it goes to them and they have a chance to to sell that item so like i said it's an add-on for right now um but it, it in our opinion could uh really change how car dealerships do business yeah
2: is there any is there any um haggling for example um I come in and I want a Chevy. So you you have all the all the Chevy dealers come in and they all say, well, you know, I can give you this car that fits this description, um, and I can give it to you for nineteen thousand seven hundred. So you've got um, a bunch of these come in, and you then select the top five. Do you go back to those five and say, look, Fred dealership has offered. 250 bucks cheaper than you. Do you have any sort of negotiation there?
3: We don't. I mean, the way it's set up is they have to give us their best price first. Um, And we do that... Two, to be fair, where we don't have one dealership that's our favorite and every time someone comes in, we uh, go back to the other one and ask them to give us a better price. We really want to keep the the even playing field where it's just give us your best price and we'll give the customer the best five prices uh, to keep it really even.
2: Yeah. So let me get this straight. You're trusting car dealerships to be, to be honest. Okay. Lots of luck with that.
3: Well, yeah, and I agree with you. Um, but the, the theory behind it is if, they, if they're yeah. entering higher prices consistently and not getting, uh, not selling with us, they're not going to use our system. You know, they're not going to be a great fit, but if they're, willing to look at it as to be a little more competitive they can cut back on all the api integration they're spending with uh, you know a lot of the other online sites and, and the marketing dollars can be changed you know then the, then it becomes a different ballgame where they can sell it for a little bit cheaper than they normally would yeah capitalism
2: takes root
3: um That's right.
2: so how does online brokerage benefit both the consumer and the dealer, how does it, I can see how it benefits the consumer and that you'll get the best priced car, how does it benefit the dealer apart from the fact that they get to sell a car?
3: So, yeah, the big benefit um, to them up front is there's no sign-up fee. There's no fee to the vendor at all for anything they do with us. Uh, they don't have to list vehicles. A lot of, like I mentioned, a lot of the expense they have with uh, listing stuff online is they have to do API integration So and, and yep. update your inventory and pay for that. There's none of that. They simply just tell us what brands they sell and what leads they want. Do I want a Ford lead? Do I want a Chevrolet lead? Whatever brands they want want, um, tell us that, and then any time we get a request, they, you know, for that, let's say it's a Ford dealership, they get the Ford uh, request. And then from there, they still don't pay for anything. They don't pay um, unless the customer chooses out of the top five, chooses their item. So that's the true benefit to the vendor is we're very cost effective. It doesn't cost them anything. It's it's almost a guaranteed lead that if a customer selects their item, they're going to sell it. And in today's world, a lot of dealerships pay quite a bit between 50 to 150 dollars per lead generation online and that's nowhere near a guaranteed sale absolutely um, yeah yeah um so do you think that
2: um the coslo method is a uh, a trend in the sales industry do you think this where not only in the car industry but in pretty much any industry there i mean I They've come across um, similar things in other industries, but is this where we're going?
3: I really do believe so. And at the beginning of your show, you you mentioned a study. I also was looking at a a time.com article where they did a study of 10,000 people and 75% said, if given the opportunity, they would consider making the entire purchase online. And then in an, another study that Auto Trader did, they found out that only 0.4% of consumers currently enjoy the car buying experience. So I really do think it's here to stay. Um, the internet's now been around for a long time. Everybody's get really, really comfortable with it. Um, There's a lot of laws in place to to protect the consumer. Um, Like with our system for a consumer or for a a car dealership to make a bid, they have to send a Carfax report with it, you know, so it tells them if there's any accidents, if it's a lemon, all that. So what we do and what the the laws do is is try to really make the the customer feel comfortable with their decision. So I I really do think this is here to stay, this trend. How...
2: um who have you who do
3: you in business who do you get your
2: inspiration from who who who's a a legend business legend in your mind
3: oh where do i start um you know, with I guess with Donald Trump running for president, I, I, I'm not going to get on the political side of it, but uh, uh, his business, his the way he's transformed things, uh, look up to him. Um, a lot of the Shark Tank watch that show quite often. I mean, Mark Cuban, he's he's kind of goofy like me, so I take a liking to him and, and just his success. Uh, so I think those are the big two off the top of my head that I uh, pay close attention to and see kind of what they're doing and how they're doing it. Gee, you finally if only
2: pitching for money was as easy as the Shark Tank makes it look. <laughs> Correct, Correct. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, there's a lot less haggling um, on the Shark Tank than there is in real life. You know, on the on the Shark Tank, you look like you're going to get 20%, but in real life, you get squeezed down to <laughs> practically yes. nothing. Yeah. Um, so you got a soft launch a couple of weeks ago, um, or nearly a month ago. Um, how long before you're fully up and out there operational?
3: So we are fully operational now, so we can completely... Complete the process. Uh, so, but what we're doing now is is letting vendors, letting customers see our product, seeing how it works. We're also having a lot of people as they use our site, giving us feedback of what what can be fixed, what can be better. And then we're also still doing a vendor campaign. Our our system's truly built off having thousands of vendors signed up. So, so we're still working through that process. I would say. And how we're functioning to what we fully believe uh, we need our system to be, I'd say we're probably 30 to 60 days away from that. Okay. So when you're when you're talking to um,
2: enlisting dealers, are you enlisting dealers dealer by dealer or are you doing state dealerships or are you doing national dealership groups? How are you going about um, that?
3: Yeah, it is dealer by dealer. We're we're targeting some, um, you know, the auto nations of the world, the big sure. big car car dealerships, uh, doing some targeting there with our marketing. And we have a a department that's uh, you know business development, and they're in charge of of signing up vendors. So it's it's you know a lot of onesies twosies, but also trying to go after the big boys as well. Right.
2: And what sort of staff do you have? What kind of what's that? Staff. How many? How many people have you got on board?
3: So we built the system. So it the, this whole process ha- is handled all automatically. There's no hands on. It it approves things. It goes through. So currently. Um, we have a couple advisors that help us daily, um, myself, and so I, there's five people with their hands on it, but we also have a, a software development team sure. um, of four people that are constantly doing upgrades. They're, they're almost like staff. We have a, a marketing team that's uh, the same, and then we also have a PR company. So we, we've we kept it down as a, the business model to keep the employee head count down and, and just have the people working with us to help help make it better, and keep upgrading the system.
2: Now that's a great lesson for all of those entrepreneurs out there that are listening. Keep your headcount down because um, headcount is expensive, for one, and the more people you have, the more conflicts you have, the more issues you run into, and uh, this is definitely the way to do it. Just automate as much as you can and keep your keep your numbers as low as possible. So where do you see yourself in 12 months
3: well, our 12-month goal is to complete 325,000 transactions. Now, part of that transaction is we're, we're estimating doing shipping with half, um, so that cuts it down. So that's, that's our, our 12-month goal is to assist with, uh, with that many deals in the first 12 months.
2: How many sales are there in, in say, used vehicles? I know new vehicles is about 19 million, isn't it? But what are, what's the sales of used vehicles?
3: So, projected in 2016 as a total is 60 million new and used. um, And used vehicles is projected in 2016 to be 43.5 million. So, that's a pretty good market. Yeah, so the way we've calculated is we want in our first year we want a 0.0036% of the share to to assist in that many sales um which seems like a small percentage. Uh, it is a small percentage, but with being a startup, I mean it it is a lofty goal and we're doing everything we can to reach it.
2: Would that make you profitable?
3: Yes, that would make us very profitable. Like we said with the with the business model and and from my wholesale experience where we got it, and we just kind of touched on it of the most expensive thing in business is, one, inventory, uh, two, your your people cost, and yep. third is receivables. We built our system so we have no inventory. The system does everything by itself, so our overhead's really low, and our money is collected before uh, the vendor gets the information, so there's never collections issues. So we're really excited about the business model, and, and uh, we think it, it it can do really good things in the future.
2: That's certainly certainly seems to be ticking all the boxes. Definitely. De- um, Devin, thank you very much for speaking to me this afternoon on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, if you would like to know more about Devin Koskan and COSLO, K-O-S-L-O, go to COSLO.com. That's K-O-S-L-O.com. I'll be back. With more of the Bob Pritchard radio show on Voice America business after this short break.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Absolutely No Bullshit Business Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. And uh, we're the number one business radio show for entrepreneurs. And this week we are broadcasting from Havana in Cuba. We've spoken many times in this program about the Internet of Things and the IoT revolution is really picking up speed now. It's kind of ironic, actually, that we're speaking about connecting almost every item in our lives when broadcasting from Cuba, which has effectively no internet at all. It barely has a phone system. But I'm sure that'll change fairly quickly once we get in there. From agriculture to defence, retail to healthcare, everything is going to be compact impacted by the growing ability of businesses and governments and consumers connecting to and control almost every element of their environments. It's amazing when you think that your fridge can talk to your toaster, can talk to your computer, can talk to anybody, including hackers. We're going to have smart mirrors, which will allow consumers to try on clothes digitally, enhancing their shopping experience and reducing returns for the retailer. That's already happening. Assembly line sensors will detect tiny drops in efficiency that indicate crucial equipment is wearing out and it'll schedule downtime maintenance in response. Now, this is already happening as well, but it's happening with the NFL. Footballers have got sensors that uh, can tell the doctors or the, um, the coaches precisely when... An athlete is in prime condition or whether he's got a bit of an injury or whatever, it's very cool. Agricultural equipment guided by GPS and IoT technology will soon plant, fertilise and harvest vast croplands with robots that are overseen by a single driver with an iPad. Active people will share lifestyle data from their fitness trackers in order to help their doctor make better healthcare decisions. The Internet of Things is really the next industrial revolution, and so big that it could mean new revenue streams for your company and new opportunities for you. The only question is whether you are fully up to speed on the IoT. Business Insider Intelligence has put together an essential briefing that explains the exciting present and the fascinating future. Of Internet of Things. It covers how IoT is being implemented today, where the new sources of opportunity will be tomorrow, and how 17 separate sectors of the economy, including agriculture, defence, financial services, healthcare, infrastructure, logistics, manufacturing, oil and gas, etc., will change completely. If you work in any of these sectors, it's important for you to understand how the IoT will change your business and possibly even your career. And if you're employed in any of the industries that will build out the IoT infrastructure, networking, semiconductors, uh, telecommunications, data storage, what else, cybersecurity, the opportunities for you are extraordinary. Here are a few things to think about. IoT devices connected to the internet will more than triple by 2020 from 10 billion now to 34 billion by 2020. Nearly $6 trillion will be spent on IoT solutions in the next five years. That's $6,000 million, lot of hooch. Businesses will be the top adopter of IoT solutions because they'll use it to lower operating costs, expand sales, increase productivity, uh, develop new markets. And governments will be the second largest adopters, while consumers will be the group least transformed by the IoT. Now, this show is all about entrepreneurs. We love entrepreneurs and we love the lessons that successful entrepreneurs can teach us. Now, when he was 21 years old, Daniel Alley believed in an idea that would change the world and make him a millionaire. Along the way, he learned 10 valuable lessons. His idea was to develop a program around teachings that were omitted from our educational system but seemed very far-fetched, but maybe possible if he was willing to work hard enough. So he studied up on subjects like time management, earning money, making decisions, setting goals, building and maintaining relationships, subjects that schools just don't teach. Now, along the way, Daniel identified 10 valuable lessons about millionaires that could apply to everyone. Firstly, become a student and study these and other business principles voraciously at every possible opportunity. Secondly, do something. So Daniel wrote a book and began giving hundreds of free speeches, living off credit cards and peddling his books at speeches. Thirdly, you need to do whatever it takes, no matter how difficult or convenient. Fourthly, you must pay the price. Between speeches, Jan- Daniel knocked on doors to sell his book. The people at most homes will shut the door as he pitched his product. It was really brutal. He had no money for food but had common sense, so he worked out that when he went and spoke at functions, they'd have hors d'oeuvres and things, so he'd eat freebies wherever he could. The fifth lesson he learned is that competence breeds competent confidence. He went from stumbling over words like I just did to giving speeches without notes. And as his competence grew, so did his confidence. Soon his financial situation improved and he didn't have to use credit cards anymore. But he still asked himself the same questions that many of us do. How come I work all day but can't make ends meet? Why can't I save any money? So his next step was to determine how to increase his wealth. In order to support himself he started a side business Dignified Designs which took off fast and the idea came when he did a lady's resume for free she paid him $25 but she told all of her friends about him which brought him in new clients between speaking and writing he helped many people to write and publish books create websites and utilize social media since forming the company He has made millions of dollars. So Daniel also learned that big breaks will come. It was a dream come true, especially after all the blood, sweat and tears. Eventually, the grind paid off as a multitude of people started coming to him. Daniel also learned that money follows passion. When you do what you love, the money will follow. When you start reaching for people's hearts rather than their wallets, you'll be more successful. His success came at a great price that only few people are willing to pay and that's why we love entrepreneurs. When you do what you love and love what you do, you'll have more freedom than any money can buy. So what's Daniel's biggest secret? No one knows what's gonna come in the future. We can only go as far as we can see. However, if you have faith in yourself, your community and everyone else, it'll work. You must believe in yourself and know that everything that you want will happen in your favor as long as you believe in it. If you believe in yourself, everyone will believe in you. Send in your questions, email me at at com and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google Plus and all the rest. I hope you've enjoyed the show please tell your friends, go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. In the meanwhile, remember that if you are not really pushing the envelope and not living right on the edge, you are taking up too much bloody space. Get out of the road. Let somebody who wants to succeed get past. You know, it's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard. And I look forward to your company again next week when I'll broadcast from our new studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, where entertainment meets technology.
1: You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.